I once was a slave to addiction, but Jesus set me free. One of the things I love about Jesus is, and it's beautiful, Matt Chandler writes in The Mingling of Souls, he says it like this. He said, it wasn't that one day I just stomped my foot down and decided to start following Jesus. He says, that ain't it at all. It's that when I was at my lowest, when I was at my worst, when absolutely no one could clean me up, Jesus said, that one. Like, that's the one I want. And that was my story, um, is that nobody on this earth could do anything with me. I was enslaved, I was enslaved to sin, and I was stuck. And it's like Jesus literally pricked me out of the darkness and called me by name and pulled me out and gave me a new life. Um, and part of that new life, one of the prayers that I say every morning is, God, relieve me of the bondage of self. It's not the bondage of sin, really, specifically. It's like this bondage of self and the selfishness and the self-centeredness is like, that's what, you know, enslaves me today. And that's my prayer in the morning is, God, relieve me of that. Because what ends up happening to me, and it's even happening right now as I stand here talking, is that I become uncomfortable with myself. And I think one of the things that pleases God more than anything else in the world is when I just get to be Jacob. And I don't have to act like anybody else and I don't have to pretend to be anybody else as I can just be myself. And that's what Jesus gives me is the freedom to be Jacob. As insufficient or sufficient as it may be at any given time, I can just be me. And Jesus can cover the rest. He can close the gap. Uh, whatever there is remaining, when I give it all I've got, he's sufficient to cover the rest. I was once a slave to seeking the approval of others but now Jesus has set me free. I found myself, you know, hanging with the wrong crowd, just trying to be one of the cool kids almost. And uh, I found myself always trying to make sure other people liked me. And I just found myself empty after trying to live that way for so long. Throughout the gospel, it talks about Jesus having confidence and being able to handle any situation he was put in. And, you know, I've now found my confidence through Jesus by being able to say, you know, it doesn't matter who I am, but it matters whose I am. And ultimately, I am God's child. I'm a son of, of God. So, you know, instead of, being, instead of going out pleasing others, you know, I live my life to please God, the one and only. I once was a slave to feeling insecure all the time, but Jesus set me free. So a little while ago, I was in a relationship with this guy, and it was pretty toxic, and he would always, like, point out my flaws and point out all my, like, what I don't like about myself. And so when we broke up, he spread some pretty nasty rumors about me, and it made me feel really insecure. And when I looked in the mirror, I didn't really like what I was seeing. Um, so I was very uncomfortable with myself. And so I told myself that I was sick of feeling insecure. And so I just grew closer to Jesus. And I remembered that the Bible tells me that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and I just kind of drew away from the world and what the world had to say about me. When I remembered that I was fearfully and wonderfully made, it made me feel loved, valued, and it helped me to remember that my identity was not in that relationship and that it is in Christ alone. I once was a slave to lust and selfishness, but Jesus set me free. I had really just been caught up in living for all the things that I wanted, all the things I desired, and living for the affirmation of other people instead of living in the truth. And that all culminated in, in the rock bottom place that left me in total brokenness. Um, but Jesus called me back. I got 
involved in a small group community uh, with other male believers who showed me a way back to the truth and I didn't have to live for the things that the world told me were important, um, but rather to walk in the light and walk in righteousness. And I began to dig into the word and instead of living for what other people told me was important and living for the um, relationships and putting my identity in the things of this world, I put my identity in Christ where it belonged. I once was a slave to insecurity, but now I found my freedom in Christ. Insecurity affected me in a lot of different ways, whether it was to look a certain way, act a certain way, following the crowd, just trying to fit in, versus um, now just having my foundation in Christ and wanting to glorify God in all of my actions instead of glorifying myself. It's very freeing to not have to chase culture or other people's opinions and to just firmly know who I am in Christ and just be me. I once was a slave to feeling like I was falling short of expectation, but now I'm freed in Christ. Well, I was always surrounded with people who pushed me really hard and I pushed myself really hard just from like growing up in gymnastics, which is a really, really like competitive sport. and. Um, I've always pushed myself really hard. I've always had really high expectations for myself. And I just feel like I was always so scared of letting people down, letting myself down, and um, just not doing as much as I could do. In the gospel, it says that it's okay for me to be weak because God is strong. So that helps me understand that no matter how hard I fall, no matter how many mistakes I make, um, God loves me anyways. And even though I'm never gonna be enough for anybody, I still have comfort in my heart and knowing that God will always love me. I once was a slave to perfectionism, but Jesus set me free. So before I was always worried about trying to make sure I did everything perfectly and that everything I did was the way it was supposed to be. But because Jesus came and lived the perfect life, I realized that I don't have to do that. and. Because of the life he lived, I can be ordinary because he was extraordinary. I once was a slave to worry, but now Jesus has set me free. I used to worry about what a situations and the uncertainty of what tomorrow would bring, but now strengthening my relationship with Christ, I realize that even though I do not know what my future holds, the one who does hold my future loves for me deeply and cares for me so much that whatever he does for me will be for my good. And now I can find comfort in what my future will hold and have faith that anything that he does for me, it's for my good. Once I was a slave to thinking I had to be in control of my life, but Jesus set me free. Two years ago, I started to get really sick and no one knew what was happening. Um, and I thought I had to be in control of my life since no one knew technically what was happening. I thought I needed to take in control and to figure out like for myself what was happening. But once I gave it to God and let him be in control, everything started to go a lot smoother and things started playing out a lot better and safer than when I was in control of my life. I've learned that I'd much rather Jesus call the shots than myself. I need you to know I once was a slave to sin, shame, and regret. But Jesus Christ, he come along and set me free. So when I say sin, shame, and regret, what it means is that I made so many horrible decisions in my life, ones that brought on a whole bunch of different labels, things like outlaw and terrorist and defendant. 
man, those couple of things brought along a whole lot of, of change that I didn't ask for. At the time, I was welcoming them in, and I didn't realize the hold that they were going to take on me. The actions that I took after that, the memories of them, the weight of what I had done, wondering if people would accept me, wondering if I could change. And then finally, there was a breakthrough. Jesus Christ one day got a hold to me through the form of a heart attack and sat me down. I wound up receiving a sermon through the email. It talked about putting down your trash. And for the first time, I identified with a sermon that told me that I wasn't created to carry around all that sin, shame, and guilt that I'd been holding on to. And that through a relationship with Jesus Christ and accepting the fact that he died on, my, on the cross for my sins as well as everybody else's, and that I was considered to be a child of God. Well, once you accept those two things, your life changes. I literally, almost overnight, with one prayer to God that I can't do it. I don't have it in me to tote it. I need him to take it from me. At that point, life changed. The next morning, he got, up, got me up and gave me three things to do. Number one, find a church where I felt like I was hearing the gospel for the first time. Number two, put forth the same effort into finding Christian friends as I did into people who were willing to do nefarious acts with me. And the third thing, walk through any door that God puts in front of me, at least to give it a try. Through setting down that sin, shame, and guilt, realizing I'm a child of God, and every day waking up and trying to, trying to follow those three things he gave me to do, my life's changed. I no longer look over my shoulder. I don't carry weapons. I don't carry bulletproof vests. I'm not scared of going to certain towns or certain counties or states. My life is truly different, both physically, emotionally, and mentally, but most of all, spiritually. Hey, good morning, and uh, thank you so much for being here today. And if you're watching us on Facebook Live, thank you for joining us as well. So if you have not noticed, today is July 4th. Uh, today is the day that we pause and celebrate the qualities that make uh, the United States of America such a great nation. Uh, most people would agree that freedom is the word that comes to mind. Uh, first, when we think of July 4th, it is a founding principle of our nation. Uh, the Declaration of Independence declares uh, freedom from a heavy-handed uh, heavy monarchy. Uh, the Revolutionary War was fought so that we could actually achieve this freedom. And freedom continues today to be a driving force in our nation and what makes us unique. Americans believe uh, in the freedom for the individual to pursue their dreams. Uh, the Declaration of Independence tells us that we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And this is unique in our world today and certainly throughout the history of the world. Uh, most people do not know the kind of freedom that we know as Americans. They 
are not born with the same freedoms that we have. And so taking a day to pause and to celebrate this freedom is entirely appropriate. However, if you are a follower of Christ in here, that word freedom should resonate with your heart for a much different reason. Uh, The freedom that we know as followers of Christ is much greater than the freedom that we have as Americans. Uh, The freedom that we know as followers of Christ is a true freedom, it is a deep freedom, and most importantly, it is an eternal freedom. The freedom that we know as Americans is but a faint shadow of the freedom that we have as followers of Christ. And it is that freedom that I want to talk about this morning. In November of 1520, uh, the Protestant reformer Martin Luther wrote a short pamphlet called On the Freedom of a Christian. Uh, At this point in history, uh, Luther was at the center of a debate between the Roman Catholic Church and those who opposed the teachings of the church. Uh, Those who opposed the teachings of the church were called protestants or protestants. And a line had been drawn in Europe, basically between those who wanted to stay with the church and those who were against the church. And Martin Luther himself was the one who was the face of those who were the Protestants. Because this was such a public debate and because Luther had been charged with heresy against the church, uh, he wrote this pamphlet basically, basically to show others that the views he was expressing were not just his own opinions, but they were grounded in Scripture. Uh, that the, the teachings that he had written about and that he was preaching came directly from the Word of God. And in this particular pamphlet, what he does is to outline the basics of the gospel and the core of what it means to be a follower of Christ. And in this brief pamphlet, this is how he began. He wrote these words, A Christian is a perfectly free Lord of all, subject to none. A Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant, subject to all. These two seemingly contradictory statements began this pamphlet on what it means to be a follower of Christ. So what did Luther mean? It seems like it's a paradox. These two don't go together. What did Luther mean by these statements? Well, let's start with the first one. A Christian is a perfectly free Lord of all, subject to none. What did Luther mean by this statement? What does it mean that as a follower of Christ, you are free? Let me give you just a few that we find in Scripture. The first is this. In Christ, I am free from earning my salvation. As a follower of Christ, I am free from having to work for my salvation. There are so many Scriptures we could point to here. Let me give you just one that I love from Ephesians 2. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. In Christ, you are free from having to do to earn your salvation. You are free from the fear of worrying that you haven't done enough 
to earn your salvation. It's not about what you've done or what you will do today or what you will do tomorrow. You are free from that. You are free from having to worry that there will come a day that you stand before God and the scales of what you have done in life will be before you and you have to worry that your good deeds would outweigh your bad deeds and if they don't, you're in trouble. In Christ, you are free from that because in Christ, it was done for you by Jesus. In Christ, we have that freedom. Secondly, in Christ, we have freedom from rules and regulations. Again, these are the words of Paul to the church in, uh, in Colossae. Since you died with Christ to the elemental, elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based merely on human commands and teachings. Here's what this means. Christ came and died on the cross not to make you religious, but to make you free. Free from having to follow all the rules and regulations. Free from having to check all the boxes to make sure that you've done it exactly right or say the prayer exactly the right way or follow the ritual a certain way so that you can know that you're in good standing with God. Jesus came to free you from all of that. Thirdly, Jesus came to free us from having to sin. Again, so many verses we could point to here. This one's from Romans. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. When you become a follower of Christ, you become free from having to sin. We still sin, we still mess up, but we are no longer bound or enslaved to sin. In Christ, you get to live as God designed you to live, which is free from the slavery to sin. You no longer are bound to selfishness and sin and your own desires. You get to live as God would have you to live. There are so many others we could list, many that, are, that were mentioned in the video that you watched earlier. The bottom line is this. As a follower of Christ, you are free. In fact, if you're here and you're not a follower of Christ, as an American, you are less free than someone living in China sitting in prison right now who is a follower of Christ. True freedom only can be found in Christ. In fact, when Jesus walked on this earth, there was a point that he had a debate with some of the religious leaders exactly over this issue. Those religious leaders took great pride in the fact that they were part of God's chosen people and that they had been born as Israelites. They were the, the most patriotic people on earth, more patriotic than anyone in this room. They believed as God's chosen people that they were born as the freest people, even though they were under Roman rule. And they had this debate with Jesus. We are truly free because we are Israelites. We are truly free because we are God's people. And Jesus looked at those religious leaders and he said, no, that's not true freedom. True freedom is if the Son sets you free. 
If Jesus Christ the Son sets you free, then you will be free indeed. That's the only way to have true freedom. That's what Martin Luther meant when he wrote these words. A Christian is a perfectly free Lord of all, subject to none. In Christ, we have this true, deep, eternal freedom. However, remember the second part of what Luther wrote. A Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant, subject to all. In other words, we are completely free, yet we are a servant subject to all. Where did Luther get this? Several scriptures we can point to here. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Another verse from Galatians. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And then 1 Corinthians, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. So what does this look like? How practically does this play out in our lives today as followers of Christ? Well, since today is July 4th, let's choose an illustration from our Constitution just to see exactly how this works out in our lives uh, Over the past couple of years, I've had the chance uh, to relearn uh, all the American history that I had forgotten, um, that I learned in school for just enough time to take the test, make a grade on the test, and then immediately I forgot all the dates and all the facts and all the figures and all the battles and all the wars. I've had to relearn all of that as my children have been in school taking American history and I'm having to help them study for tests. So this past year, my oldest son in fourth grade had to take American history, and I got to relearn all the battles and all the facts and all the figures, and I relearned that the Constitution of the United States was ratified in 1789 only after a lot of debate and compromise. On one side, you had the Federalists who wanted the Constitution to be ratified as it was written. On the other side, you had the anti-federalists who believed that the Constitution did not guarantee enough individual freedoms and too much power was given to the central government. Only after the promise was made by the federalists that the first order of the very first Congress would be to take up a bill that guaranteed these individual freedoms did the states eventually ratify the Constitution. Then, this Congress took up a bill that guaranteed individual freedoms. It became known as the Bill of Rights and contains 10 amendments to the Constitution. Eventually, on December 15, 1791, this Bill of Rights was ratified and became part of our Constitution. Now, even if you do not have a son in fourth grade and you've not had to study all of these facts... Uh, you likely remember that the First Amendment to the Constitution guarantees us the right of free speech. In fact, here's the entire First Amendment. Congress shall make no law respecting an, uh, an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of people to peacefully uh, to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So as an American, you have a right guaranteed by the Constitution 
to express your opinion any way you want to and at any time you so desire to express that opinion. Now, there are certain limits. You cannot yell fire in a crowded theater. The Supreme Court has said that is uh, beyond your freedom of speech. But short of that, you can say whatever you want to, whenever you want to, about whoever you want to. You can express your opinion about a politician or about a piece of legislation or about the latest movie that you watched or about a pastor or about the service that you went to. Whatever you want to do. You can get on Facebook. You can get on Twitter. You can get on Instagram and you can rant and rave and you can tear people down and you can say whatever you want to say. Why is that? Because you are free as an American, to do exactly that. But if you're a follower of Christ, do you have that freedom? Are you able to say whatever you want to say about whoever you want to say whenever you want to say it? Or do you live under a different law? Look at what Paul wrote to the Ephesians. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. So as an American, I am free and I can say whatever I want to and I can tear someone down if I want to. But as a follower of Christ, I live under a different law. And this different law tells me that what I say needs to build others up. Even if what I'm saying is true and something that someone needs to hear and is convicting to them, I need to do it in a way that's going to help them and build them up, not tear them down. As an American, I have one freedom. But as a follower of Christ, I have a duty where I am subject to others in this way. Let's look at another one, the Third Amendment. You may not remember the particulars of the Third Amendment, but you'll recognize it when I put it up here on the screen. No soldier shall in time of peace be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner, nor in time of war, but in a manner to be prescribed by law. This particular amendment was put in there because this was a practice of the British government in the colonies for soldiers to be able to knock on the door of a private home and say, you've got to house me, you've got to feed me, you've got to let me sleep here for as long as I want. And so they wanted this amendment to the Constitution to guarantee the individual right to be in your private home and for you to get to say who could stay in your home and who could not stay in your home. So as an American, you own your house and you've got the right as an American to say who can stay there and who cannot stay there. You are free in your home to decide who gets to stay in your home. But as a follower of Christ, do you live under a different law? Look what the writer of Hebrews said. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing So, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Now, remember, this was written in a time when there were very few hotels. So, someone who was traveling would go into a town, and they had to basically count on the uh, generosity of someone in that town to open their home to give them a place to stay. It doesn't apply in the same way to us in our time today. However, the principle still remains. What we have... What we own, what we claim to be ours, is it all ours and we can do with it as we want to do with it? Or is it a gift from God that we ought to use 
for God to help others in a generous way. That's a segue to the Fifth Amendment. Uh, You're likely familiar with most of the Fifth Amendment. Here's part of it. No person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. As Americans, we believe in this freedom. We believe in the right to private property. As Americans, we have that right. It is ours. We have earned it. We own it. We decide what happens with it. And no government, no one else can take our private property from us. That is our guaranteed freedom and right as Americans. However, as followers of Christ, we live under a different law. Look at what Paul wrote to Timothy. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So as an American, I've got a right to say it is mine and it is all mine and I can do with it as I please. But as a follower of Christ, I am subject to a higher law which tells me everything that I have comes from God and that I am obligated as a follower of Christ to be willing to be generous and share and to help others with that. One more right I want to look at. This goes back to the First Amendment. In the First Amendment, here's what we read. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. By the way, nowhere in this amendment does it say there shall be a separation between church and state. In fact, that is nowhere in the Constitution. You will not find that phrase. The framers of the Constitution never intended for prayers to not be made in public. They never intended for it to be restricted in that way, but that is a sermon for another time. Here in this amendment, we read, Congress shall make no law respecting an an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. As an American, you are free to practice your religion any way that you choose. You are free to worship God in any manner that you see fit. If you want to, you can say, because I am an American, I'm free to practice my religion the way I want to. I'm going to go to that church and they better, by God, play music that I like. And if they don't, I am free to leave and to go to another church. And when I go to that church, that pastor better preach a sermon that I like. And if he doesn't, then I'm going to leave and go to, go to another church. When I go to that church, they'd better meet my needs. And if they don't, I will leave and I will go to another church because that is my right and that is my freedom as an American to get the religion that I would like to get. But as a follower of Christ, we don't have that freedom. In fact, here's what Paul wrote. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. In other words, we're not free to practice our religion any way we want to. According to Paul, the way that we practice our religion is to carry one another's burdens. It's to serve others. 
And when we do that, we fulfill this higher law that is much higher than the Constitution of the United States. It is the law of Christ, and ultimately we are obligated to that law more than we are to the law of the Constitution. So what is our example in all of this? It is, of course, the example that Jesus Christ set for us. Here's what Paul said about Jesus and his rights in Philippians 2. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Here's what Paul was saying. Jesus Christ, as God, had all the rights and privileges of the universe. And yet he gave up those rights, he gave up those freedoms to come to this earth, to die on a cross, to be a servant to others. Why? So that you and I could experience freedom. So that you and I could experience true, deep, eternal freedom that can only be found in Christ. Listen to me. If you do not know that freedom, you do not know true freedom. Maybe you're an American and maybe this afternoon you're going to go to the lake and you're going to grill hot dogs and you're going to listen to Lee Greenwood sing and you're going to say, I am free, I am free, I am free. But if you're not a follower of Christ, you are not free. Only in Christ can true freedom be found. Only through a relationship with Christ can you be free from sin and selfishness and all the things this world says that you need. Only in Christ can you find that true freedom. Do not leave here this morning without making sure that you have taken hold of that freedom.